Hello there, everyone, and welcome into this, the final episode of the year 2021 of the Career Competitor Podcast. As always, we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I'm your host, Steve Mello. We've got a fantastic guest to finish out the year, but before I introduce him, let me tell you all about my service, Career Competitor Performance Coaching and also Cultural Consulting. Everything you need to know about that service is at careercompetitor.com. You can also find awesome information about the podcast and look, go back and look at all our previous episodes at the phenomenal range of guests that we've had on the show up to this point of our three and a half years. In terms of what it is I am doing as we enter the new year, I'm here to offer you a free 30-minute consultation to talk to me about anything within your life that you feel as though you could do with some coaching on. We can sit down and have a chat, get an understanding of one another in the sense of what does your optimal self look like and how can I help you get there. I have a variety of coaching packages that can help you, the individual. And then, like I said, if you are a representative of a larger team and organization, I'm here to help you work on culture as well. But everything you need to know is at careercompetitor.com. But let's get to our episode for today. I was delighted to be able to sit down and speak with Benjamin Alexander. And for those that don't know his story, Benjamin decided at the young age of 32 that it was time to take up a professional sport, one that he had never done before. You're hearing that right. This isn't something that he learned as a kid and that he kept going recreationally and decided that he was going to get serious about it. No, he went down a ski slope for the first time at the age of 32 and decided this was something that he could really sink his teeth into and turn into his career. Benjamin's father is of Jamaican descent and Benjamin has now been able to establish himself as a representative of the Jamaican ski team. And with only five weeks to go until the Winter Olympics in Beijing, Benjamin has all eyes set on being an Olympic qualifier for the incredible country that is Jamaica, that as you are well aware, doesn't have a whole lot of snow. So Benjamin has been traveling all over the world, getting himself up to speed, getting himself up to standard, hitting qualifying times that he needed to do in order to now be in a position where he is going to do something pretty historic. In the last few months, Benjamin's been making time for people like NBC Sports, the BBC, Time Magazine, and of course now he's made time to come on the Career Competitor Podcast. What a way to finish out the year, folks. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. He provides content that, quite frankly, we all need to embrace with the new year right around the corner. An awesome conversation, such an appropriate conversation to be having as you maybe have one eye on bettering yourself, finding new levels of performance as you enter 2022. So really be paying attention to Benjamin's story here. And of course, hang out at the end as well, where I summarize one, if not a couple of the major talking points from the episode. But for now, Sit back, relax, and enjoy our final episode of the year with Jamaican skier, Benjamin Alexander. And I hope you all enjoy. All right, well, it gives me great pleasure to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend that is Benjamin Alexander, the one-man Jamaican ski team. Uh, firstly, Benjamin, how are you doing, man? I'm great up here in Lapland, Finland. <laughs> Lapland, Finland. So right around the Christmas period, you're, you're as close to Santa as anybody, huh? 
Yeah, and so all of the kids shipped on on the, the cheap flights from the rest of Europe. So the hotels are completely <laughs> bananas right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're surrounded by kids, and and here you are trying to get in some really hard work. Uh, you know, as you as you gear towards Tokyo, coming right around the corner now. Goodness me! Um, so why don't we, before I start to get into some of the the let's say the more juicy stuff with you, why don't you just give everyone a feel of what you're doing today, uh, what's brought you to this moment, you're just sort of in your own words. Uh, so firstly, it's Beijing that we're going towards. Tokyo's in the rear view Oh, mirror. sorry, yes, of course, games. that's my fault. Yeah, yeah, That's okay. BBC did that last week as well. So it's, uh, it's the Freudian <laughs> slip. We're in this weird situation where the Olympics are in consecutive years and our brains are not used to, yeah. not used to computing that. Um, yeah. So as you said, I am the one-man Jamaican ski team. And uh, I'm currently on a mission to be the first ever Alpine ski racer to represent the country in the Winter Games. Um, I think a lot of the listeners will be thinking about Cool Runnings and the Jamaican bobsled team of 1988. And definitely those guys wrote the book on how to do something outlandish for a Caribbean nation in winter sports. And I'm kind of following the playbook, maybe a little too closely. I even have the pilot of that 88 team as my mentor. We speak uh, every few days. He's awesome, Dudley Stokes. Um, I think what makes my story interesting is you know, I started to ski in 2016, age 32. Most of my competitors started skiing age two. So there's a 30 year gap there. Um, I also come from having been successful in a, a finance career and then giving that all up to pursue my musical dreams and had the opportunity to DJ across five continents in over 30 countries over the last 10 years. And naturally the progression from, you know, finance guy to DJ is to become a ski racer. So, so here's where I am. Um, <laughs> about as a natural progression as a Jamaican skier. Yeah, and as people can probably tell too, you're here you are, you keep saying Jamaican, 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 but you sound an awful lot like me, Benjamin, honestly. Um, so obviously, so why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about that backstory, where you grew up, et cetera. Yeah, so I grew up just outside of London, England. That's the accent mm. that people are hearing. Um, the British listeners will hear some Americanisms in my pronunciation. I've been <laughs> spending too, a lot of too. time, <laughs> yeah, a lot of time with the Americans over the past decade or so, uh, predominantly because of Burning Man, an event that I used to DJ at and I'm still heavily involved in um, and have been every year for the last 10 years. But yeah, born to a Jamaican father and a British mother just outside of London. Uh, my father came across to uh, England in the early 60s with a lot of Jamaicans, the Windrush of Jamaicans, as it's called. Um, There are actually one million Jamaicans in England, which is kind of crazy for a country of 60 million. Um, And so, yeah, I spent the first 18 years of my life in my small hometown before moving to to London for university. Uh, And then you know, I, I kind of saw something that I, I liked the look of on the other side of the planet and moved to Asia immediately after after graduating or immediately after my final exam. I didn't stay for my graduation ceremony. Well, you know, what's what's very noticeable already, we're just a couple of minutes into this, and it appears to me that you're a guy that loves a challenge. You love something that's going to shake things up a little bit. And I can relate to that a good, a good amount. I've, I would say I've far from sort of done the, the simple path in life. Uh, and, and clearly you, you don't sing from that hymn sheet at all. You're just like, Hey, bring on the chaos, bring on the challenge. I love it. Um, you know, and, and so I definitely resonate with that. What, where do you think that desire to be challenged in all these, this variety of ways that you clearly have been uh, throughout your life? Where do you think that comes from? I get a lot of enjoyment from feeling improvement, feeling advancement, right? 
whether that's something like last year where I was putting 30 hours a week into studying the game of backgammon because we were all under lockdown, or whether that's now getting better at skiing every week with the training that I'm doing on my path to the Olympics. There's something very rewarding and satisfying about that. And it's something I've always had. I'm one of those guys that goes completely down the rabbit hole or just doesn't even bother looking at the rabbit hole. And so I find things in life that are, are rabbit holes that I want to dig deep down into and I just kind of keep going and see how far they go. And with skiing, it's taken me all the way to the Olympics. Yeah, I, I really relate to that. Uh, almost not even acknowledging that this is in fact a rabbit hole we're going down. We're just going to yeah. we're, we're gonna keep on going and we're going to see where it goes. I like to think a lot of these episodes are exactly that too. And in terms of as you now start to look ahead over these next two months, have you started to really anticipate what these forthcoming challenges are going to look like? How you're maybe going to be handling what will probably be a lot of new stuff within your life? Yeah, so, you know, the, the most important thing is actually the, the qualification itself. I'm on, mm. I'm on path, to, I'm on route to qualify, but I'm incredibly concerned about injury as, you know, all athletes are. Especially with the four-year cycle, it's not something where if you miss it this once, it's, okay, no problem, it's here next year. The four-year cycle would push it to me being 42 years old before the next one. So, you know, yeah. almost certainly it's this, this one opportunity that I have. Um, also concerned about, like, how the world might shut down and prevent me from getting two competitions. Everyone's worried about the new variant. Um, you know, I just watched the new episode of South Park where they jokingly said it in the future where, where uh, the pandemic is behind us, but it's 40 years in the future. You know, they're jokingly <laughs> saying it's going to take 40 years. Um, yeah. so, so that's a concern. But a lot of the other things, ironically, are very mirrored to my DJ existence. So being on the road and being in remote parts of the planet um, and being comfortable with that, very similar to my DJ life. Um, getting on the stage and performing in front of people and having to deliver a performance are very similar to my DJ performance, uh, DJ, DJ world. Um, figuring out how to kind of network and, and market yourself and make yourself appealing for people and brands to associate with you, very similar to my DJ world. So even though the unhealthy lifestyle of you know, beginning work at three in the morning and maybe not getting to sleep till 8 p.m. the following day are completely opposed to my life here as a skier where I'm contemplating going to bed by 5 p.m. some days. Um, there's actually a lot of overlap that has put me in good stead. So I don't really feel that apprehensive or, or concerned for the new challenges are ahead because they're just a twist on what I've done successfully before in, in the music world. It's only those variables of, of injury and the pandemic, which are new to me uh, for being a, a professional athlete for the first time in my life. Absolutely. And, you know, I knew this coming into the episode that we were taking the concept of career competitor and we're kind of flipping it on its head with this particular episode because a lot of our discussions are with people that come from sport that are now executing some sort of success and excellence in their career beyond. But here you are as a guy that is able to lean on previous careers in this later chapter that you have in your life of, of now competing in sport, which is, like I said, it's a first for the show and I absolutely love it. And I think if anything, it just goes to show just how impactful sport is on careers and vice versa and the two very much come hand in hand if you're willing to look deep enough and close enough for for those types of traits and qualities that can come through yeah. when you look now if you look back now on your dj in career i have to assume that you felt like you were at times being pulled left right and center in, in su such demand your schedule probably was just absolutely 
completely filled with events and uh, publicity stunts, whatever it is, uh, all these sort of things that you had going on. I know a lot of your story in the last six months has very much mirrored that too. People want a piece of Benjamin. They want to hear your story. They want to get to know you. Out of curiosity, you know, how have you been able to now handle that knowing that you've already alluded to? You have such a huge couple of weeks ahead of you with qualifying and, and doing what you need to do as an athlete. How do you how do you find that ability to manage the expectation from the outside and then obviously the internal drive and the expectations that you have on yourself? So the most important thing is never to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? As they say. So in this situation, in, in, in figuring out how to interact with the media and how much of my time to give, I'm very mindful of the fact that while this is an interesting story in its current incarnation, the icing on the cake and the thing that really takes it to being really interesting is actually getting to the Olympics. So never at any moment in time do I engage with the media or, or bring the media into my existence where I feel like it's going to be uh, a negative impact on the actual training or the actual racing itself. And I've had to learn uh, the hard way. I've had to work with film crews that have just completely blown up my day because they can't navigate around a mountain or don't really understand the sport. They understand their camera equipment very well. And now it's just very clear that if someone wants to come and bring a camera with me, um, Either you really need to know your way around a hill and a set of skis, or there are just certain days that I just will not be able to engage with you. And especially as we get closer and closer to the crunch time of, of these qualification races, um, projects like the documentary that's being filmed, I've just given them like complete blackout dates where I'm like, I just don't want to see you guys on these dates. I don't care how <laughs> important it is to the movie, but the movie only really becomes the movie if I get to the Olympics. And I think... You need to have the power to weigh up the, the value of interactions. So as I said, I, the, this was one of those days where I was thinking about being in bed before 5 p.m. But spending an hour or so chatting with you and your audience is worth it for me. Skiing is something that only happens you know, through, through the working hours of the day. And at this time of my training and balancing balancing the amount of time I spend on skis with not trying to overtrain. I can feel a few little niggling injuries coming. And so today was a very short training day. So I just did some, uh, you know, some tourist activities and I'm very happy to use my brain power and my, uh, my, you know, the remaining energy I have and gas in the tank to, to speak with you guys, but it, it is a balancing act for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hey, I'm, I'm as appreciative as anybody listening to this, that you've been able to carve out time for us. And, I, I I will say that so much and I've I've done a good amount of reading about your story. So much of it I connect to because I I always say on this show, and I think you're going to really push me here, is I, I'm the most competitive person that I know, and I've read your story, and I'm thinking this this dude might give me a run <laughs> um, because there's something about his story that just says competitor, competitor, competitor. Um, but I'm really interested to get into this with you now, Benjamin, because there's a, there's a sense of fulfillment with your story too. And I, and I think a lot of people can see that. And so it's, it's finding that, okay, where, where, does it, where is it fulfilling? And then where does it cross from just simply satisfying fulfillment and then starting to target that competitive element to you as well? Because to your point that you've made a couple of times now, this story doesn't have the, the ending that we all want it to have. And of, of course, you wanting to have it more than anybody without you, the competitor, getting yourself into that elite uh, status that is being at the Winter Games. So this started with fulfillment. This started with something that you really felt like you wanted to do, and it was passion. 
and it's now turned into competition. So where does that line for you sort of, where does it lay in, in the sense of how do you go from those satisfying the fulfillment of what you're trying to accomplish here, but at the same time, when does the competitor come to the surface too? So yeah, um, I guess you and I are the same where if there are any board games or if there's a pool table in a bar, our friends after a short period of time are like, okay, man, this is not fun anymore. You're taking it too seriously. <laughs> um, I remember we rented a house in Canada uh, two years ago that had a fantastic man cave with a pool table. And the two people I rented the house with uh, stopped coming into that basement after the second day because it just wasn't fun for them to play pool against me. But for me also, it's not only about the winning. It really is the... It's the getting better. I remember this random moment where I just moved to Jackson Hall a couple of uh, couple of years ago, and I was just playing pool by myself. We'll use pool as an example. I love to play pool, and eventually some guy comes up and says, "Do you want to play?" I just I, I, I wipe the floor with him. Right, it's five nil. He gets bored. He goes away. Next guy comes up. Do you want to play? Yes. So he beats me three nil, and I say to him, "You're a pretty damn good player. I'm happy to lose to you all night because I'm learning something from you, and I really enjoy that." And he says, "You know what? You're a good guy. Let's split quarters. We'll pay you know fifty cents each, fifty cents each." We get to five one, and the only reason I get one game over him is because I I, I break and I clear up. Right? He didn't get to come to the table. And then this little sassy cowgirl comes over to me, drunk as a skunk, and she says, you have no idea who you're playing, do you? I was like, I don't know, guy in a bar. She says, that's Bill Kahn. He's the best player in Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, Montana. I was like, is that true? He's like, yeah. And I spent the entire weekend just drilling him with questions. He was actually there to play a national tournament. And every time he was playing, I was watching him. When he wasn't playing, I was trying to beg him to play against me. Whenever, when he wasn't willing to do either of those two things, I was just asking him questions. So for me, the competitive thing is not always just about performance. I think your, better, your best opponent is yourself. And for me, if I can beat myself, if I can look back at my ski video from last week and see the problems that are not in today's ski video because I've improved and I've beaten myself... And that's quite a fulfilling world to quite a fulfilling way to to compete. If you always want to compete, and I'm sure a lot of your previous guests have been the people that have been at the pinnacle of their sport. But in every sport, there is by definition only one pinnacle, right? There's only one uh, Michael Jordan. And if people are looking for that, I'm sorry to say that a lot of people are going to be very very disappointed. So for fulfillment and happiness in life, finding a better competitor, for competing with the you of yesterday, and this can relate to everything, being a better lover to your partner, being a better parent to your to your children or whatever it is, I think that's a much better surefire way of finding happiness as long as you can talk to your mind and convince yourself that that's fulfilling enough and for some reason I seem to have been able to do that. Yeah, in addition to that I would love to just add that there comes there comes that need to really be comfortable with yourself too. And it, it it's very already very clear to me just listening to you talk that there's a there's a great comfort that you have in the person that you are at the at the at your core. Uh and then in addition to that, how that's gonna be all of these things that you you're doing seem to be just a simple extension of that person that you are at your core. You seem very comfortable knowing like, hey, I'm a student of what I do, but I'm competitive about it. I, I I find that fulfillment by bettering myself each and every single day. And I love how that I've take I've given you that question. You found a way to sort of almost bring those two together in, in the sense of competitive drive, having those fulfilling components to it, like finding fulfillment through the competition. 
Uh, one thing I'm definitely making a note of is that, yes, I am that guy that likes to play pool, but I am not playing you at pool. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're giving a guy that's as good as that a, a run for his money, then I'm, I'm not picking up the cue. I'm sorry. Um, but this, let's, let's talk now about fulfilling this dream. Let's talk about really being, you know, putting yourself in that Winter Olympic Games. For you, have you even started to, or have you allowed yourself, sorry, to, to really embrace what that is going to mean to you if, if and when that's going to happen? Yeah, so, you know, I will admit that when I started this this project, I really thought that skiing or ski racing was just about going fast. And I was really good at doing that. I spoke to the Mayer brothers who are, you know, two of the most famous ski racers in American history. Uh, I did a training camp with them last year. And they weren't talking about me in particular. They were just talking in general terms. They were like, anyone can ski fast. They just have to be, you know, fearless and unafraid. You just point the skis down the hill and, you know, you get to terminal velocity, whatever. <laughs> but being able to ski fast through a course, that's where it's really at. The technical abilities of that. And I had no idea the, the complexity that I was getting into. Um, and so for me, getting over that finishing line is going to be getting to the Olympics, just getting there, just getting into the opening ceremony. That is my gold medal. And I've shed a lot of sweat for this, uh, for this project. It's been, you know, a lot of work. I've shed a lot of blood. I've cut myself on my skis many times. I haven't cried over this, uh, over this project yet, but I hope that the tears are tears of joy from when I get into the opening ceremony. That's, that's really what it will mean to me. And I'll be very blunt to say that I underestimated it, but it's turned it into this much bigger and much more valuable pursuit for me so that when I do finally get there, it's going to mean all the more to me. You know, the kind of the Mark Twain quote of what that which we esteemed uh, too easily, we, that, that which we achieved too easily, we esteem too lightly, we take it for granted. That was me thinking about this Olympic mission. Just go fast. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. But actually, it's yeah. turned into this huge project um, that has consumed my all over the last year and a half, two years. Yeah, and it, but the the proven quality based on just some of the stories you gave prior to this skiing experience is that adaptability you seem to have. You seem to have that as almost organically as, hey, you know, I, I this is what I thought it was. It's not but I'm going to adapt and I'm very comfortable admitting that, hey, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have judged it this way and I'm, I'm going to go ahead uh, and adapt. Uh, just out of curiosity, has has this journey, has this story brought you into the path of maybe some people you're just like, holy crap, I would never have thought I was going to meet you through this experience? You know what? By virtue of my last, uh, my last hat or my last role in life, I got to meet some really, really interesting people that would come out to Burning Man or the people that would come to our parties, you know, mm. um, some very A-list people. I, 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 you know, I've interacted with some Olympians uh, and some other interesting sports personalities as a result of the skiing, but nothing on the kind of global scale of uh, what I did while I was a DJ. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was a sort of a second part to this question was that, again, going back to that adaptability, as you've been around these people as you've alluded to you know they were starting two three four years old and here you are yeah. three decades later starting what it is you've done have you found common ground have you found that ability to really get along and, and sort of see things from the same perspective if you will um look i i'm humble enough to know that if i'm if i'm with an 18 year old athlete that has been racing for 16 skiing for 16 years and racing for 12 years 
I'm humble enough to just be able to just drill them and ask them for questions. And I, there's no ego involved in the fact that I'm 20 years their senior. Um, the common ground is in the sport. But sadly, as soon as as soon as we kind of step off the hill, there's not much else we can talk about. I mean, if you're an 18 year old athlete, you really haven't seen much, much of the world. And <laughs> I find that a lot of the athletes that are really deep into their sport have had such a, you know, a, a one track through their life that it's allowed them to become so good and so powerful of the thing that they're doing, that their their breadth of the world is, is quite limited. And so, yeah, I, I find it hard to to kind of you know, find common ground outside of the sport, but it's the sport that keeps us together. I mean, if you go to any mountain town in the States or anywhere in the world, you can strike up a conversation with anyone in any bar because you guys are all in that same town for that very same reason. How was the skiing today? What did you jump off of? How fast did you go? What equipment are you using? Where did you come from? Like you, uh, you can't really do that in a lot of places, but when you go to a place where everyone's there for the same reason, you immediately have that commonality. So I always have that with the other athletes, even if I'm twice their age, some of them. <laughs> yeah and but again it all comes back to in so many ways it comes back to adaptability and i yeah. i didn't know this was going to be a theme of the discussion but it's definitely come to the surface and i think one thing that we've discussed actually a lot on this show mainly because of my own story in the last couple of months but transitions transitions have yeah. been a big theme of what we've spoken about and there's going to be some people listening to this that are maybe in their 30s who knows in their 40s yeah. that have always had one eye on trying something different, but then they have these same these these same concerns across the board where it's like, well, is my boss now going to be 10, 15 years younger than me because they've already been doing it 10 years longer than me? And it sounds here as though, you're, like you said, you're humble enough to say, listen, I'm, I'm coming into this world and I'm coming into it a little late in comparison to most people, Yeah, but I'm humble and willing enough to admit that, hey, these people can still educate me despite... If we were to start talking about life and travel and relationships, like I could probably bore them to death with the amount of information I have yeah. on, on that particular part of life. Where does that humility come from, man? It comes from an understanding that your age, as it is on your passport, your date of birth, it's just a number. And as I said, as I'm interacting with these 18-year-old athletes, the, the amount of hours and the amount of effort and time they've put into the sport that I now am interested in, it, you know, I'll probably die without ever having matched the amount of time they've put into skiing. And mm -hmm. sometimes you just have to take the ego out of the way and be like, well, that guy's a wealth of information, regardless as to whether or not he's 15 or 16 years younger than me. And actually, the interesting thing is, by virtue of being older, quite often you can bring different perspectives. You can definitely bring entertainment. I mean, I can talk to people about my DJ life on the chairlifts all day long and make friends with anyone that I want to in the ski industry because I'm very unique from the rest of them that have just been skiing for their whole lives. But just to quickly talk on something, it's been in my mind for the last few questions. When thinking about making a big shift, this was something I read a long time ago, probably whew, 2002. So... I, I went to my first university, I went to the Imperial College to study physics, I hated it, so I dropped out, and my whole, my whole life was like, well, what do I do now? I just thought that I had to go to university. No one in my family went to university, but it was just something in my head that I had to do. And so I just set out to reading everything and learning as much as I could about the world. I'd never been on a plane at this age. I never flew with my parents. I mean, I've now been to 70 countries, so I've done a lot of catch-up. But one of the things that I read, one of the many things that I read that stuck with me, is that when you're going to make a big shift, it's important to have accountability, and that could be just to yourself. Um, and for some people, that could be as simple as, 
I'm going to put a note on the fridge that says no sugar until the end of December. And that, that mm-hmm. could be enough for some people. A lot of us don't have that willpower and control. I'm probably one of them. And so you have to find ways to create accountability, even if it's just some fictitious thing, but something that will motivate you to stick to this goal that you've made. Because it's always easiest to stay with the path well known and to not make these huge changes. So when I retired from DJing three years ago, I made this huge public post on all of my social media to say that I'm hanging up my headphones and I'm looking forward to the next chapter in in life. And so many of my friends said to me, you're stupid, why would you do that? You can get thousands of dollars for gigs and you can just do that on the side while you're thinking about your next thing. And I said, well, look, I have been thinking about my next thing for some time. And at the end of the day, if I don't make a change now, a drastic change, then I'm gonna wake up one day and be in my mid forties or fifties and still be in nightclubs. And that's not where I want to be. You know, I have a, a solid education and like a you know business background from before that. So I made that public statement so that if I were to go and accept, accept a DJ gig and if I were to kind of go back to what was comfortable, the, you know, the warm, comfy bed that I knew, then I myself would look stupid because now my word is worthless. And so I mm. always do that. So this outlandish mission of trying to get to the Olympics, I've been incredibly loud about it to give accountability to myself. And all of my friends from all over the world are checking in on me every day. How was that race? How is training going? When do you think? And that in of itself is what also helps to motivate. So when if people are thinking about doing something that seems uncomfortable, it's always good to quote unquote, burn the bridges. That's a quote, for, or the, sorry, burn the boats, which is a quote from the art of war, Sun Tzu. Because if you invade an island with your soldiers and you first thing you do is burn the boats, those soldiers know that they have to succeed. That's the only way to survive is to succeed and you can't retreat. And so creating this fictitious burning of the boats can be a really powerful, motivating um, um, a, a technique. Ah, oh, preach, preach! I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for, I'm here for all of this, man. And I made similar decisions myself a couple of months back. So I love, I love getting that reinforcement from a guy that's been there and done it a little bit too. And you know, you're exactly right. Like, don't just make the decision and and don't just say, "Hey, I'm making this commitment." You know, put it out there. Put that pressure, that that public pressure on yourself to to follow through. Yeah. Because especially if you don't think that the person in the mirror can hold you accountable enough, have some other people hold you accountable and be really comfortable with that. And it's a, it's yeah. a great support system to have. I'm sure you must feel so supported in what it is you're doing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that could yeah. be something really simple. Like I said, a, a note on the fridge. It could be a small WhatsApp group of people that check in with each other to for you know for uh, abstaining from alcohol or whatever it is. You know, some people are motivated by the carrot, you know, the the goal at the end, the reward, the sweet the sweet prize, and other people need the stick. They need to mm. they need the fear of failure. They need the feel of fear of public humiliation. I'm a little bit of both, but part of growing up and part of understanding how to be successful is understanding how to talk to yourself, how to motivate yourself and mm. how to get yourself out of bed to do the humdrum things that will eventually lead you to success, but that are very easy to say, not today, I'm going to stay in bed and skip it. Yeah. And it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, man. You know who you are at your core. You, you've you been able to identify that version of yourself early enough in life before these big decisions were even an option. And and so that when these these decisions came your way and life handed opportunities to you or you created opportunities for yourself you said well not only am I going to commit to this but I know how to commit to it as well so yeah. I, I really challenge anyone listening to this to to, to listen to these words from Benjamin because at the end of the day I think we all have that burning desire to try something new at times but the question becomes 
How important is it to you? How impactful can it be to you? And then what sort of support system do you have maybe now to follow through with it? And if you can answer those three questions confidently and feel great about those answers, well, I'm just going to you know, be that guy now on your shoulder saying, well, what's stopping you? Why, what, are, yeah. what are we waiting for at this point? Because as, exactly. you, can hear from, as, as you can hear from Benjamin, you know, it's, there's so much value to be taken from this process. Um, man, you know, you know I can probably talk to you all day uh, <laughs> in, in, in the sense of just your story and, and all that kind of thing. There's, there's so much information coming out about you right now. And I, I encourage everybody to, to make time to, to, to be following you. So with that being said, where can people follow you? How can people see more and learn more about you, man? Yeah, so I've made it really easy for everyone. My um, website and my Instagram handle are the exact same thing. So Benji, B-E-N-J-I dot ski, S-K-I. And if you put that into your browser, you'll get my website. And if you put that into Instagram, you'll uh, see all of my latest updates there. And I just, I try to keep it simple, stupid, right? So my <laughs> website is just a bunch of links to the latest things that might be of interest to the people that are following me. And my Instagram is, yeah, I, I don't go over the top. It's just mostly fun stuff. Yeah. Well, like you said before, you know how to market yourself, right? So you're, uh, you're on top of that and you're clearly on top of your training. And, and listen, man, I, you got a fan in me, you got a supporter in me, and I'm just so excited to, to see how these next couple months unfold and to see you on the big stage uh, in, in February. And uh, best, of, best of luck with all of it, man. And thanks again so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow, such a such an incredible opportunity to to hear from Benjamin in the in the midst of what is a, a crazy time for him right now, as you heard, not just prioritizing his advancement as a competitor, as a skier, but obviously being able to make himself available to so many people and balancing all of that. So for him to carve out 30 minutes for us, I uh, consider myself incredibly grateful for that. And I hope you really benefited from it too. In closing, I really just wanted to emphasize the major theme, as I alluded to within the middle of the discussion, that I wasn't necessarily anticipating, but adaptability really did come to the surface on a number of occasions. And here, are, here we are releasing this episode right at the turn of the new year. What better time to start looking ahead? And we're not going to call this a New Year's resolution. That's, that's not how we work on this show. That's too pretty. Uh, that's not deep enough. We're going to say, listen, it's time to take accountability. It's time to take accountability for any actions that we intend to take. And then we're going to put that pressure on ourselves as well to follow through. Create the accountability. Create the support system that you know that you are going to need in order to follow through. Don't just put an idea out there. Don't just talk about intentions of what it is you want to get from maybe next year. If there is any type of shift that you're looking to make within your life, within your career, whatever it may be, now is the time to analyze what that accountability system looks like so that you can have that ability to be adapting as much as possible every time a potential hurdle comes your way, every time a challenge of any sort, a distraction of any sort comes your way you can adapt, you can do whatever is required in order to follow through with this decision that you are making as you head into the new year. So in other words, engineer your future, scope it out, know what it's going to look like, identify those potential pitfalls, 
create that support system that you know is going to allow you to have complete accountability. And hey, if it's anything like Benji did there within the within the episode of publicizing your intentions to put that absolute pressure on yourself to in fact follow through, then what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do it. You've got a, a week or so of 2021 to think about all of this. And then once we hit 2022, listen to me, it's time to take accountability. It's time to follow through. It's time to be adaptable to whatever it is that life throws at you because you are intending, you are striving to make this change, to establish something about yourself that you've never been able to do before. So I think we all have something, right? We all have something. It may be small, it may be big, whatever it is. All of these things that I've just spoken about, these are the types of practices that you need to be implementing in order to make it happen, to make it come into reality. Thank you so much for listening to the show, not just on this particular episode, but for those of you that have been with me from the very beginning of 2021, and for those of you that have been with me now for three and a half years, we we have come a long way as a show. And for me, I have never stopped learning, and I am so excited to continue to learn and to continue to bring what it is I'm able to pull from my guests and deliver it as education for you. Benjamin was an awesome example of exactly that, but we've had so many fantastic guests throughout this past year, and I encourage you, if you are listening to the show for the first time, to go back, to go look and listen to some of those people. They have incredible stories, incredible lessons, phenomenal insight that can impact you. So make the time to do that, especially as you have a little bit of downtime maybe throughout the holiday period, but make listening to career competitor part of your practices when it comes to being accountable this show will hold you accountable this show will force you to think from different perspectives and see things in ways that can help you succeed so make us a part of that new year accountability plan that maybe you have but at the same time thank you again for listening to the show make sure you subscribe leave us a rating and i'll see you all in the new year of 2022. Best of luck with anything and everything that you've got going on and you've got planned for the new year. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.